started uh, sort of a series, I guess you could say. Um, I always feel weird saying I'm doing like a series because for so long, like to me, like as a church nerd, like a series meant like a, a clever name and a logo and a, like a video intro and everything started with the same letter, that kind of stuff. Let me just switch to the other one. Are you, you going to work? You good? Okay. And so... I always feel weird when I'm like, yeah, I'm in a series because I, I'm just not like a planner, uh, shocker. Uh, and so, um, but anyway, th- this is the third week of what I saw as three kind of fitting together. Um, and just sort of my, uh, my tendency really in the last couple of summers, God's just kind of brought us to talk about the church and different capacities and um, really just some things that I hope... Uh, he continues to develop in us just as a, as a body uh, to become just a natural part of of how we live together and how we express our faith and all that stuff and the term ethos just kept coming back to me is a a part of just the the natural character just things that just flow from from us to where we don't even have to really work hard uh, to carry these things out and it doesn't take a I've been saying it doesn't take a pep rally. It doesn't take a, you know, come on, guys, you know, kind of sermon or whatever. It's just people come into our church, um, and that if, if they were to be interviewed on the way out and they were to say, what, describe, describe what you think the Ring Community Church body, you know, describe them in a couple of terms just as how they naturally function. These are some of the things they would think about. And tonight I want to talk about generosity. Um, and you, typically when you say generosity, the first thing, it, it kind of you immediately go to uh, giving. It goes to money. It goes to those kinds of things. And the text we're going to look at uh, definitely is talking about that. Um, although I don't think generosity is strictly financial. Um, that is certainly a big part of uh, life for us in the United States. And so um, we're going to look at this passage and, and see what Paul has to say. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, starting verse six. Says the point is this: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly; whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As is written, He has distributed freely; He's given to the poor; His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, 
Thanks be to God for this, for his inexpressible gift. Okay? Some of those verses you maybe heard before, some of them we've talked about before. Um, let's just start at the top of, of that section, just kind of go slow, slowly. Um, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully or with great blessing will also reap bountifully. And you've probably heard some of those things uh, typically maybe in uh, the month of January sermon series in a lot of churches on giving and finances and whatever. A lot of churches start off the year talking about that. And, and so this is kind of one of those texts people gravitate t- toward, especially preachers, because it, I mean, it's not only true, but it preaches really well, you know. If you invest in a shallow way, the return is shallow. If you invest in deep ways, the return is deep. Um, and we're just, we're just kind of just leave that there because I, I don't, I don't want to abuse. I don't, I don't want to pull that verse out and ignore the rest of the context. I think that, in and of itself, um, is is not it's not doing the scriptures justice. So we'll just kind of move on, and then when it's all said and done tonight, when you're lying in bed and you're pondering the sermon so deeply. Uh, you can go back and look at that verse again and see how it fits in. Um, can y'all hear me okay? You want me to switch to the other mic? We're good? Okay. Um, look at the next verse. Uh, Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, God loves a cheerful giver because of what we're about to get into a little bit more. That giving is... is uh, giving... When you, when you put money in our buckets back there, um, or, or if you go to another church, when you put money in, in their buckets or the plates that come by or whatever, um, God loves it when you do that cheerfully. And you do that cheerfully when, when your perspective is in line with His. You do that begrudgingly. You do that out of obligation. You do that, you know, whatever, um, when your perspective on finances or giving or whatever is out of sync with His. And so when, when you're lined up with him, then you, you gladly put money there. You gladly give money to those who are struggling. You gladly invest in those things and because you understand the bigger picture. And God loves it when you do that. He loves it when you're lined up with him because it, it gives him joy. It gives you joy and it gives him joy. And you get joy when he's joyful and it's like just this whole exchange of joy. And so God really gets, he really gets into that when we understand money properly. We understand that, that he's entrusted money to us to meet our needs and to meet the needs of other people. So when you put money back there and you're like, this money is going to help people. This money is going to further, um, the, further the work of the church here on the earth. And you get excited to write that check, even, even if it hurts a little bit, you know, even if you're like, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it this month. However, this is more important than what happens to me this month, you know. Um, and God loves that when, that when that happens. And this, this next verse really kind of sums up a lot of things connected to that idea. Verse 8, and this is, this is the kind of meat of, of where we're going with this. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency or uh, contentment at working, those are kind of mean the same thing, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now look how many alls are in there. 
God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, which is the same thing as all. That's how, there's a lot of uh, completion in, those, in, in that verse alone. All grace, all sufficiency and contentment, and all things at all times, so that you can abound in all good works. That verse should, should pump us up. And so here's the, like, no, notice the, the progression. Um, here's grace that comes into your life, okay? And I think, like, if, you wanna, if we want to take the, the money angle, I think that finances, like, money is really, it's just tangible grace. Just tan- tangible grace. And a lot of times people are like, I hate money, or I hate this, and I hate this, and whatever. It's like, oh, you hate grace? I think some people would say, no, I, I totally disagree. Is, there's no way that money is tangible grace. Because it, le- it leads to all these like, terrible things. But it doesn't have to lead to terrible things. It leads to all these good things too. So somebody says, no, there's no way that money is tangible grace. Then I would say to them, did, did, you, eat? did you eat today? And they would e- either say yes or no. And if they say yes, then I would say, well, it's tangible grace because God provided you with money that allowed you to buy a meal, allowed you to meet that need because he is providing for you and taking care of you. Tangible grace. If that person says, no, I did not eat, then, I, then my response would be, well, let's go get you something to eat. And then my money would be tangible grace in that person's life that is God providing for them just through me. And so it's tangible grace that way too. So if you want to argue with me that money is not tangible grace, then we'll, let's sit down and I will win every time. <laughs> Do you understand, understand what I'm saying? It's, it's our needs being met, and then beyond our needs being met, it's us taking care of other people. So you might say, well, what about, what about the countries where people are dying of starvation? And I would say, yeah, we need to go feed them. They need some tangible grace flowing their way in the way of whatever, rice, beans, grain, anything, whatever. Yeah, that's, so, so put some money in the bucket, and we'll, we'll get that, knock that first domino down and get that rolling, you know? You can't really say that, well, that, you know, God doesn't love them. He does love them. And he's told his church, hey, let's go take care of them. He hadn't told it to government. He hadn't told it to parachurch, nonprofits. He told it to his, his church. So let's go and do that. So when you put money in our buckets back there, a part of that money goes to organizations that go and further that kind of gospel res- representation. Same thing happens in our city as well. It's not just going around the planet. It's also going within our city. So... Tangible grace. So, he's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, okay, so everything that you need, and all contentment, so you are content because you realize that you have what you need. And if you don't have what you need, his church is surrounding you to provide the things that you don't need if you will humble yourself enough to say, hey, I need some help. That God has graciously provided everything that you need, all sufficiency in all things at all times. That's a part of what we're going for in our existence together as a community. Complete contentment and sufficiency because he has provided and met every need in all areas of life all of the time. And when we relax and we rest in that, it sparks something in us and that brings out this generous living that pushes us into good works. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
that when grace is flowing into our lives from our Father, whether it's directly to us or through other people, we relax and we are content and we realize that everything is going to be okay. And that evokes this generosity in us that then pushes us to give to other people. Whether it's to you, the person that I know, you, the person that I don't know, or into the church offering that goes beyond, or it's to give directly to World Vision uh, after you give given to the church, or whatever, however that you want that to work, it does something in us. That's the effect that grace has. We are not just receivers of grace. Grace doesn't work that way. It flows into our lives, and it flows through our lives. It's, it's, constantly, it's constantly doing that. It never, it never stops. It can't sit still. That's a pretty beautiful verse when, when we think about it in those terms, when we break those things down. Now, if you, um, I don't know if the Humility Community Group has talked about this or not, but the Scriptures tell us in more than one place that grace comes to the humble. And the more humility there's, that, that is there, the more grace is there. So the more humility we walk in, the more grace comes into our lives. And I'm not talking about the more money, okay? Don't hear me getting all prosperity gospel on you because that's not what I'm going for at all. But the more humbly we walk with God, the more grace comes into our lives. And the more generosity comes out of that. The more generosity that comes out of that, the more humble we walk because you know how it is. When you're generous, there's a humility that's there. So then there's more humility and more grace and more generosity and more humility and more grace and more generosity. And so here's this, here's this life that is just constantly in this cycle of humility and, and grace and generosity over and over and over again. And can you imagine just living that way just all the time? Well, that's, that's called abiding in Christ. That's what happens. That's why we talk about it so much. That's why there's such an emphasis there. That's why Jesus says, when you abide in me, anything can happen. all grace, all sufficiency, and all things at all times so that you can abound in every good work. So when I say, as a pastor, um, my prayer is that God will continue to cultivate this in us, that it will be a natural part of how we exist, that's where I'm coming from. It's not because I want us to be known as like this really generous church. I don't care how we're known. I mean, that's fine or whatever. But see, that generosity comes from comes from the fact that we are a copy of the original. That Paul, all throughout the scriptures, he talks about the riches of God's grace, out of the riches of his grace, out of the riches of his goodness, out of the riches of his power, that God is this rich, rich dude. And out of that, he generously gives to us his children so that our needs are met, whether it's financial or spiritual or emotional, that our needs are met, and then that grace flows into the lives of other people. So we are generous because he has been generous. Last week we talked about hospitality. We are hospitable because he was hospitable. Week before that we talked about serving. We serve because he served. There's a pattern that's developing here that God has had us on this track. Look at verse, we'll just keep going. Verse 9, as it is written, he's distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Okay? First, it's all his. So he's the provider. And as he provides those things, he cultivates and grows the righteousness that we walk in. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then we come to this verse that just knocks my socks off every time. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That doesn't leave any room in life for us to not be generous. Every way is every way is every way. Every way. So if you also want to have another debate, you come up with a way where we are not supposed to be generous, and I'll prove you wrong by putting you to that verse. Because every means every. Every time. Now, a lot of times in church life and stuff, we talk about generosity and all this kind of stuff, and, and it, this just makes sense, and it's sort of cheesy, but it, it kind of like, it does a good job of kind of segmenting life down. Um, people talk about being stewards of your time and your treasure and your talents, you know. So this verse is certainly talking about your, your treasure as far as, you know, finances and being generous in that way. And this, this church is incredibly generous, and it is shockingly generous when I talk to people who, who lived in the Baptist world, you know? Like, they don't, you know, I always get the question, like, well, I mean, where's y'all's funding come from, you know? Y'all must have, like, a high roller in there that funds everything. I'm like, no, we have a bunch of, like, low rollers that just uh, are under, trying to wrestle through understanding what, what giving to the church is about and what financial stewardship is about and all this kind of stuff. And we just kind of all, we just, we just get it done. And see, there are churches all over the place that are laying off employees and all this kind of stuff, and they're realizing, wow, we don't really need an eight-trillion-seat sanctuary, you know, and we can't afford it now. And the economy gets weird, and then South Louisiana, you know, everybody's kind of panicking and all this kind of stuff. And meanwhile, we're over here at our elder meeting. We look at our deal and Last year, we raised our budget, just trusted that God would provide, and we're right on track, you know? I don't, I don't get invited to Baptist meetings, but I, I, I find out about stuff, and all these churches are freaking out, and we're over here like, hey, we're, we're, doing, we're doing okay. We're doing fine. God laid out this plan for us, and we we're like, hey, all right, let's, let's go for it. Even though the economy is unstable and all this kind of stuff, we're going to raise this up, and we're going to continue to respond and meet these needs, and... and you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, this is maybe a little too business meeting for you, but let me just kind of tell you how I see things. In our, our first year or two, we had way more coming in than we did going out. And uh, I think it was kind of like, like when a couple gets married, you know, their first couple of years, you're like, what, two incomes together in one bank account? We're rich, and, you know, and, it, and you're kind of like, you know, you kind of just, you kind of live that way. And then, then the couple, you know, gets pregnant and starts, you know, has a baby, and all of a sudden, like, it kind of rocks your financial boat a little bit, and you're making some adjustments, and then you start having more kids, and as your family grows, your budget starts to look really different. So maybe you had a lot of leftover cash when you first got married. I mean, maybe, maybe not, but maybe, let's say, compared to now, you have this family that's much bigger, and you're like, how in the world are we going to do this? Well, that's kind of how, what happened for us. So we kind of have this, our first two years, uh, we kind of accumulated this money, we're like, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And little did we know that in years three and four, our expenses were going to, weigh, were going to outweigh our giving tremendously. 
It's almost like he was like, I'm going to let you kind of build this nest egg, quote unquote, because you're going to need it because years three and four and five are going to really require a lot of financial assistance, which is what you prayed for in the beginning. But because I'm sovereign and I'm in charge of your money, because it's not really your money, it's my money, I'm going to kind of lay out this plan. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where, where we are now. And so when we're talking about being generous with your treasure, I don't think at all this church wrestles with that um, to the point where I need to get up here and do a whole series on you know, giving. You know? I'm not saying that we can't still grow and learn more about that. And I'm not saying we've arrived by any means, but I'm just, I just want to affirm you in the areas where we can be affirmed. I think that's one of them. Um, so I think with our treasures in the, the bank account sense, that's something that we're healthily wrestling through. You know, I think we're also getting into being, figuring out how to use our homes you know, and our possessions, you know, the things that God has blessed us with, you know, people's vehicles and just all these just different things. And like we talked about hospitality last week, and that has a lot to do with that. And um, I mean, even, even treasures in the sense of like your family and your relationships and those things that like, you know, parents being like, I have to recognize that these kids are not mine. You know, I've been entrusted as a steward over these children, but they're not mine. They're the Lord's, you know. Um, so you've been enriched in those ways to be generous in those ways with your treasures. But I think when you look at, at because there's treasure and there's talent and there's time, if you look at talent, I, I think that's another thing that that this church is really good at to, to a degree. If, if you were to look at a timeline of what happens here on a Sunday, um, about 3 o'clock, uh, Megan gets here, and she turns on the AC, because uh, it's supposed to be on from like 9 a.m. until then, but it never is. And so she cranks on the AC and unlocks the doors and stuff, and then the band starts coming in. And so, so, so think about, I mean, our band comes here, 3.30 every week. And they set stuff up and they learn new songs and they get things rolling. They share their talents with you. They are generous with these ways that God has gifted them and equipped them. And I hope that you are generous with your appreciation of them um, with that. So the band's coming here setting up and you have Matt, you have Dave and you have Nathan we're taking care of all the, the sound stuff and the computer stuff so we can know what the words are and putting the TV back there so Cody can know what the words are. And me too when I lead, because, uh, yeah. So that's all rolling, and Jess gets here and she puts the bulletin stuff together and set up teams that come every week. They come and they get the station set up. That stuff doesn't just appear. I mean, people put it up, you know. They get that set up. They get the nursery set up. They different team each week, four teams rotate through. Two weekends a, a year, the kids team, the youth team come, and they've, been, they've prepped Bible studies for our, our elementary age kids and our teenagers, and our child care people get here, and there's eight lead teachers, and they prep these lessons, so we're not just babysitting back there, we're, we're investing in these kids. And so the service starts, and the band plays, and all these things go on, and everything's happening, and then What's all over with, the setup team starts taking things down, and um, we start kind of resetting stuff, and then end of the night, we do a final walkthrough to make sure that when Steve and Miss Mary and Mandy get here tomorrow, that there's almost no evidence that we were here, and it actually looks better than, we, than when we showed up. 
mean, that's, that's a sharing. There's a whole group of people sharing their talents and interests. And that's just what happens on a Sunday. And there are people within this church who are like, hey, I'm, real, I, I'm, I'm good with computers, so I, you know, I can help out with that. Or, hey, I'm awesome with a lawnmower. Like, you've just never seen grass cutting like this. So uh, if there's, you know, something, or, hey, I know my way around a kitchen, so if, if you know, whenever there's a, a baby that's born or something like that, I want to be on the list of people that's going to take care of them. Or people are like, hey, um, I, I'm not a good counselor, but I love to pray, so let me, if I can serve on the prayer team, cool. Or, hey, I'm really good with budgets, and hey, I'm really good with spreadsheets, and hey, I'm really good with this, and really good with that. I think there's a tremendous amount of sharing of talents and interests and abilities that happens here in this church. And you bring time into that, and all that stuff requires time, being a steward of our time. And so I think um, God has begun something here that's, that's really awesome. He has enriched us with talents and abilities, and I think, I think we're growing in our generosity of those things. But I have to be honest with you that there are times when it is evident that we still have a good bit of growing to do. It's evident that, that time is, is still a big wrestling issue. It's real easy to say, I want to I share of, my, of myself, my talents, my abilities, my treasure, anything, whatever. And then there's that dreaded third T that stands for time. It's like, oh, well, eh, I'm not sure about that. Because sometimes we're like, hey, hey, we need help with childcare. So if you're in a Monday night community group, uh, would you be willing to one Tuesday night every six months come and watch kids? Be like, yeah, absolutely, until it comes time to sign up, you know, until it comes, comes time to show up or whatever. That's a, that's a struggle sometimes. And it shows that, that we're still trying to connect some dots with our generosity. That it's easy to get excited about generosity in this room, but on a Tuesday when you get an email, it's like, hey, we need some help with this, or what about this, or whatever you hear about these things, your community group leader's like, hey, we need to come up with a schedule because this person had this go on, we're trying to set up some you know, this and this and this. Um, when you see the, that tension show up and you're kind of like, well, surely somebody will, somebody will sign up to do it. Somebody will volunteer to do that. Somebody will step up to the plate. And I'll be honest with you, it's the same little group of people that tend to be the ones that step up. There came a, a point we, we had tried. I mean, this horse was dead so long, we just kept beating it and beating it and beating it. And it was called Community Groups Host the Ring. Remember this? Y'all can laugh. My feelings are, I don't even have feelings in this area of ministry anymore to be hurt, okay? Like, this would be such a great deal. We have 10 community groups. So we'll set up this rotation, and they'll each have a day when, like, it's their turn to host. So they'll show up, and they'll set things up, and they'll be handing out the, the bulletins, and they'll, they'll be the ones making sure everybody's welcome. It'll just be like their night to take care of this gathering. And it was the most frustrating thing ever I cannot even imagine how frustrating it was for the community group leaders to try to pull this off. And so eventually, we started to hear people just were honest, like, when are y'all just going to let it go? Like, it, the dream has died. Just give up. Come up with a new plan. And the reason why I held on to it for so long is because I was like, no, this can happen. Whoa, I almost fell off. It's like, this... Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, maybe God's trying to tell me to shut up before I get fired. Uh, I was like, no, 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 I was like, this, this can happen. This needs to happen. Like, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. And just because we gave up on it 
doesn't mean that we're not going to come back to it. <laughs> and just because we were like, okay, it's just frustrating people, and obviously we're not there yet, so let's come up with this other system. So I was like, well, we'll do these setup teams, and we'll have so many people volunteer. It's just a, it's a, this, the same way to accomplish the same things we need to get done and, and communicate the same thing when people come into our church, and it'll, it'll be the same thing in here. It's just a different means of doing it. And sure enough, we had enough people to just do four teams. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so what God does there is he says, okay, all these things are happening and all this good stuff is going on, but don't get so full of yourself just because everybody really likes your church a whole lot. And keep in mind that, that I have begun something in you, but we are not at all done. You've got to continue to dig into serving and being hospitable and being generous with those things. We, we still have to grow. But the reason why we have to grow is not because we want this big church. Our goal is not to have a big church. Our, in fact, our goal is really to have a small church, but that's a whole other sermon. Um, our, that's not what's going on here. And our, we're not trying to get things done. This is, these are incredibly easy, tangible pictures of the God that we love. I know that seems like I'm trying to make something really spiritual out of something that's just kind of a task, but it's, I, I promise you, I mean, you look at what it says. You've been enriched in every way to be generous in every way. It has nothing to do with growing this church or making a name for ourselves or making a good impression on people. And for so long, that churches were in like this image management mode, and that's all they cared about. Make sure every light bulb works, make sure... All the, you know, everything's neat and orderly and also make sure our bathrooms are spotless and make sure all this stuff. And they're trying to keep up this impression as if, you know, it was very much field of dreams. Like make this field and random dead ball players will come out of the corn and it's just not going to happen that way. We, it's, not a, it's not about establishing this thing and all of a sudden the neighborhood, people are just like, I'm, for some reason I'm walking toward the BCM building. You know, it's just not going to happen that way. That's not what it's about. So I don't really care. I mean, I want our bathrooms to look nice, but they're not our bathrooms. And it's a bathroom, you know? I mean, it's a bathroom. It's just a building. We're going to try to make it look nice because it's not our building. And if, if ever we have our own building, we will try to make sure it looks nice. But it's not because we're trying to keep this impression and we want to present this whatever to the world because it's an ego thing. Because, no, this is, this is what God looks like. God is generous, so we will be generous. God is a caregiver, so we will be a caregiver. God owns this building, so we're going to take care of it. God, it's all his money, so we're going to be good stewards of it. And that, to me, that's, the, that's the, the key, is that if, 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 we're, if it's humility that brings more grace, that generates generosity in us, and leads to good works, and that is all going on, what we have to do is we have to we have to continue to rage against this idea that it's my money and my time and my talents and my house and my car. And the more we fight against that, the more we put to death that side of our flesh and we feed our spirit, we begin to realize it's not my money, so why would I have an issue with being generous? It's not my money, so of course I need to budget well so that I can have as much as possible left over so that that can go as far as possible with the gospel message, whatever that looks like in any way. 
It's not my money. It's not my time. So of course I'm going to give my time to people. It's not my life. It's not my plan. It's not my anything. It's none of it's mine. The more we walk in that kind of humility, the more grace, the more contentment, the more we realize that we have everything we need in every area of life all the time. And that evokes in us good works. Look at this. Look what happens. Verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For, this ministry, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Here it is. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. He's saying, okay, when you are generous in that way, it, it produces something. God's like, you've been enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, and that gets things stirred up. Now, Flip over to Acts chapter 2. You take the last couple weeks talking about ethos. Just the natural way that a community, that a group of people, the natural way that they think and feel and act. You combine generosity. You add to that last week, hospitality, a love for strangers, a love for people who don't yet have that sense of belonging, and so you just, just smother them with love and affection and welcoming and everything that you can because God did that with us. You add to that service that you see a need and you respond and you meet that need because that's what Jesus did for us. You press all that together and you have a Jesus ethos in a community. A Jethos. It makes no sense. I'm going to edit that out on the podcast. You have this Jesus ethos. You have this gospel, living parable kind of ethos that exists among a group of people. And this is what happens. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So here's a group of people. They're investing in the apostles' teaching, which would basically be everything that Jesus said. Everything that Jesus did. That's, at that point, that's what the apostles were teaching. Right? Remember, Jesus said this. Jesus did this. And then he went here and he actually did that. And then he empowered us to do this. So we need to go and do this. I mean, it was everything about what Jesus did. And they were together in fellowship. And they were breaking the bread. They were taking communion together. It was all about the cross. And they were praying together. So here's this community that's generating all this stuff. Now, the book of Acts is a different kind of text than 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians was a letter, and so that's teaching and addressing specific issues. Book of Acts is a narrative, so it's just describing what happened. You don't go to the book of Acts and you say, see, this is what we should do because this is what it teaches us to do. It doesn't teach us to do that. It describes what was going on. And so you approach this text very differently. So here's the description of a group that's doing these things which we have said in our church covenant that we are doing together. 43, and all came upon every soul, 
and many wonders and, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. See, that one verse, you have generosity, you have hospitality, and you have service. All one verse. Look at it again. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Generosity, hospitality, love for strangers, anybody that had a need, didn't, they didn't, you didn't have to be related, didn't have to be a member of the church, they'd meet the need. Service, there's a need, okay, we'll meet it. 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous, oh, look at that word, and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. The church does not grow by gimmicks. Clever little logos and theme songs. and It's not about buildings. It's not about a visioneer pastor. It's not about any of that stuff. The church grows by a Jesus ethos happening and being formed within the community. That's what it describes right there. And I know that everybody in this room who is a Christian says, I want to, be a, I want to go to that church. And Jesus looks at us and says, well, let me make you into that church. And all we have to do is say, uh, yeah, I want that. And so the challenge for us is, or the challenge for you, the challenge for me is, okay, how can my ethos become more like Jesus' ethos? And he will tell you. That's the crazy thing about God is you start asking him, hey, what, what, is, what in me is not like you? And he'll be like, oh, this? And you're like, oh, sorry I asked. But see, if every one of us as individuals are asking that question and we're being serious about it, then he will begin to cultivate that. So we humble ourselves, grace flows into our lives, we realize we have everything that we need and it erupts in generosity and hospitality and serving people and just being Jesus-like. You press all those lives together and what happens is the church begins to grow. It doesn't matter where we meet. It doesn't matter what your pastor wears. It doesn't matter what's going on or how clever things are or whatever. It has nothing to do with gimmicks. It has everything to do with just Jesus. And that's what we're going for. So you, you can leave all this here, or you can take it with you. I don't know if you left last week here with hospitality. I don't know how friendly you were before church started. I don't know. I don't know if you're like, man, my family's getting together, and there may be some people here who feel awkward because they don't yet have that sense of belonging. I want to make sure that they don't feel awkward. I don't know. I don't know if you serve people today or not. I don't know how generous you feel. I don't know. It's none of my business between us as individuals and the God that we serve, who says, let me cultivate myself in you more and more and more and more. And the ring will not look like the ring. It will look like him. Good stuff. Let's pray. Father, our desire is to, um, it's just to look like you.
We want to be gracious because you were gracious. We want to be faithful because you were faithful. Everything about you we want to imitate perfectly. And you know that we cannot do that just by digging our heels in and trying really hard. That we need your grace to form yourself in us more accurately each and every day. So that outcome is yours. So God, help us to humble ourselves and to walk in that kind of humility. To make every effort to be obedient to the things you've called us to. Pray, God, that you would give us a vision for what our lives could look like. Not some ambiguous, you know, whatever floating out in front of us, like a real, true vision for this beautiful, Christ-like existence. I pray that you would ignite a passion in us to pursue that. As you press us all together, God, a vision for our church to go, to just love people, to care for people, to care for one another. I pray, God, you'd use us to impact this world, a world that you love, that you value in ways we'll never understand. So, God, we just humbly ask you to continue to form that in us. May tonight be a turning point. Even though it's hot, even though it's summer and whatever, maybe this is, this is the night when the ring really does take another giant leap forward. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, God, that we can, really can look around and see evidence of your grace all around us. Pray that that just pushes us forward even more. Love you, Father. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together. Go ahead. We'll stand together. And